I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Computer Talk with Tab, hosted by Eric Semmel of Tab Computer Systems. Interact with Eric and his guest by phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Email them in the studio at gethelpattabinc.com or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com. Now, here's Eric. And good morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And Bob is Bob Shorey. He's one of the MCSEs at Tab, and he comes in and helps me out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. Feel free to get online, 800 966 WTIC 522 WTIC. We are here live today. Feel free to get online. Getting ready for the snow, right? That's what we hear it's coming already. Well, if it's coming, I hope it's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be like a little dusting. But uh, we're here to help you out. So let's get right to your uh, your news here, Bob. You've got some stuff going on, right? You wanted to bring up? Well, I got a few things that I thought were interesting over, yeah. the, uh, over the last week or so. Um. EV rentals aren't at full charge yet. Oh, boy. Yeah, I found out the hard way on the German Autobahn. This is a CNET article I'm reading. Yeah. Okay? I've never been so scared to rent a car before. It's not because I'm a bad driver, despite what my family and friends will tell you, (laughs) or because I'm driving into a blizzard. It's because for the first time in my life, I'm renting an electric vehicle that I have to charge instead of refueling at a gas station. What could go wrong? And not just any EV. It's a Tesla Model S. Mm-hmm. You know, the fancy designed by Elon Musk that starts at $80,000. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, there's a startup, UFO Drive. What a name, right? Yeah. That's trying to take these worries away. The company founded 18 months ago in Luxembourg rents mm-hmm. only EVs and operates solely through the iPhone and Android apps. All right. You can skip waiting in long lines at the rental counters, and you won't be saddled with either mm-hmm. a different car from the one that you booked or surprise fees when you return the vehicle. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to worry about anything besides driving. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, except for what? Battery. Well, the, the <laughs> app even tracks your battery level oh. and directs you to the nearest charging station Andy. when needed. Andy, Andy. Okay? And that's the point UFO Drive wants to convince people like me that renting an RV isn't scary. EV. EV. Yeah, EV, RV, <laughs> TC, UV. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a massive misconception about electric vehicles that they don't work well and take too long to charge. UFO Drive. Uh, drive CEO Aiden McLean said in an interview last month in an interview last month mm-hmm. that's not true. Mm-hmm. We want to change the perception around electric cars so that people who rent them can realize it's easier to rent drive and experience an electric car than an oil burning car. All right. All right. So they go kind of go on and on and on, but I'm going to skip down to this uh his experience real His quick. experience. Yeah, they get down you can rent these uh Electric vehicles, you can get a, 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 a Nissan Leaf for as low as uh, 69 euros, which is about 76 bucks. Hmm. And, uh, and uh, at a, it goes on and 
it gets like 149 euros from Tesla Model S. Okay. And then there was some uh, more expensive ones. It's in there that was like 200 and some bucks. Gotcha. But so it worked out for me. Ferrari, it's, I think, made uh, the expensive one. He got rerouted, right? Right though, he was running out of juice. So yeah, he was going to a place where his uh, family emigrated from in the 1800s. All right. Okay. And there was no cell. No cell service. No cell service. Uh oh. Because there was no cell service, okay, yeah. it wouldn't update him on the app when his oh, uh, no. battery level was getting So low. wait a minute. He needed his phone to go to the cloud to talk back to his car to figure out how much juice was left in his car. Well, the, supposedly, if he'd have been watching his car, his phone, yeah. okay, instead yeah. of the dash, uh-huh. you know that great big yeah. dash that they have? Yeah. Okay. Then he, you know... He would have been directed, supposedly. Uh, but he didn't. Okay. He relied on the so, phone. And it was supposed to send him a notification when the battery charge got low, down to 50%, but they had just changed it and lowered it to 30%. Oh, boy. And then again, at 10%, it gives you the closest fast charging station. Right. Okay? Now, that's when he ran into some trouble. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So along the Baltic coast, where some of my ancestors lived in the 1800s, about 130 kilometers from Hamburg, or about a 90-minute drive. Yep. Okay. So uh, instead of planning the best route to Wismar, Wismar was where he was going, mm-hmm. and checking for charging stations, I simply get in the Tesla and go, like I would if I were driving a normal car. <laughs> I expect the UFO Drive app to notify me when the battery is low and direct me to a charging station aye, when I need aye, one. Aye. What I don't count on is losing cell service and getting no alerts. <laughs> to make matters worse, Wismar and the area around the city have no Tesla superchargers. Oh, jeez. Char- supercharger stations. Right. Though Tesla tells me I'll make it to Wismar with no problems, I won't make it back to Hamburg without a charge. <laughs> He's got to pick up a squirrel on the way to, to charge that thing up, right? When I'm about a half an hour from Wismar, I start getting nervous. My battery is clearly well below 50%. <laughs> I thought I'd get an alert by then. UFO Drive initially told me I'd get an alert at 50, but I right. recently, but it recently changed the system to ping drivers at 30%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get stressed when my uh, phone battery is below 60% at midday. When it hits 30%, I look for a charger. With a car battery, my worries are much worse. <laughs> There's actually a phrase for this, range anxiety. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... That's a new thing. What are you compensating for? Oh, I don't know. What if I run out of power <laughs> in the middle of nowhere? Enough. UFO Drive said that that's never happened in, in its 5,000 rentals since launching in 2018. Yeah. The company says it would have dispatched someone to my location if I ran into trouble. Oh, wow. But I don't want to be the first to be stranded <laughs> in a place where there's no cell service. <laughs> uh, range anxiety. My passenger starts searching for supercharger stations and regular chargers on, tes- on the Tesla's GPS. Wait, he's got a passenger? Yeah. My wife would have told me to get gas long before that part. I mean, <laughs> honey, it's like three quarters down. Well, it's not get gas, gas now. you're getting. No, <laughs> but if you have a passenger, you know they're going to be like, hey, you're going to fill this thing up? Okay. So anyway, uh, they're looking for on Tesla's GPS, but nothing shows up. Yeah. The ones on Google Maps and Tesla's site on my passenger phone are located in hotels and appear to be only for guests. Oh, jeez. The closest supercharges is an hour away in the opposite direction. <laughs> Yeah, convenient. <laughs> and it's not until later that I learned that UFO Drive app shows both superchargers and the slower chargers I can access. Mm. Because I was driving, I wasn't looking at the app. Even so, that information isn't completely <laughs> accurate. <Jeez. laughs> so the moral of the story is it's really not ready for prime time yet. It's funny. 
But yeah, yeah. Read, go read the rest of it. We'll put it's a link really out there for you. Look at the chuckle. It's a little more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> In other news, this is kind of a big one. 110 nursing homes. Uh, this was done. This was a Wisconsin IT-based IT, uh, IT company that put these 110 nursing homes that are all over the country. There's uh, all 45 states they service about 80,000 systems. This one IT company puts their customers where? Where do you think they put them? Well, they put them in the cloud. And, of course, they market that all your problems will be gone and security is going to be all set. You're going to be fully backed up and, and everything will be lovely. Well, 110 nursing homes were cut off from their health care records due to a ransomware attack that hit the uh, IT company that was hosting their stuff. And uh, here's one of the thing, uh, comments from one of the, the owners of the IT company. The ongoing attack is preventing these care centers from accessing critical patient medical records. And the IT company's owner says that she fears this incident could soon lead to not only the closure of her business. Yeah, you think? But, only, but also to the untimely demise of some patients. So they get hit their cloud, which they stuck 40, 110 businesses in using Citrix, and they're sitting on these great cloud servers, was hit with ransomware to the tune of $10,000, Bob, do you think, with the ransom for 110? What do you think, 20000 Yeah, let's say. What do you think they wanted? 1000 bucks. 1000 bucks. Yeah. They wanted $41 million for the ransom. So this is a story that if you're considering putting your system in the cloud, whether you're a legal company, there's firms out there that are going to do this for law firms, there's companies out there that will do this. Heck, we had the story about uh, the uh, accounting firms, software out there in the Netherlands there, CCH, their entire cloud got hit in the exact same way. Thousands of, of CPAs couldn't do their work. This, this, this attack here, 110 nursing homes, the entire cloud that they sold their customers to, Forty-one million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> fully ransomed, uh, and uh, you've got to read. You got to read this uh, story and understand that when you're sticking it in the cloud, it's just on somebody else's servers. So if these hundred and ten folks didn't have this all in the one spot and had their own distributed network with what? What? What would they would have used? A backup and local servers, <laughs> right? They would have been able to operate, but in some cases. Along with their their EHR, their payroll, their phone systems were in the cloud too. They couldn't make phone calls thanks to this thing. Um, you got to ask yourself: Should you put everything in one basket, the one big cloudy basket? And uh, I'll put this uh, the story up here from Krebs on Security, and you can read the whole story. If you're considering doing this for your business, I don't know. Uh, understand that that one company gets hit, you're down and you're impacted pretty pretty heavily. Uh, so take a look at that. You have nothing you can do. All you can do is scream at this company. It's called VCPI uh, in Wisconsin. And uh, all you can do is yell at them, and they're going to say, well, we're hit with ransomware. Sorry. So clearly their security awareness training wasn't very good. And clearly, here's the thing that's even dumber than dumb. Why would you have your operations connected to your back office of your of your own business so that your own 150 employees, one of them let the software in, let the bad guys in? Why would you allow that for to, to occur in the first place. If you're so good at making sure everything's going to work so well, you promised 110 businesses that they can do it better. They can take care of the HIPAA. They can take care of the backup. They can take care of security. They bring the entire thing to its knees, $41 million ransom. <laughs> That's the cloud.
Yeah, and I'll bet you their uh, uh, agreement uh, obfuscates them from any responsibility. Obfuscates them from any responsibility. Yeah, most likely. So we'll put a link up here for you guys. You can read the whole sordid tale. It's it's definitely worth reading, and Brian Krebs does a great job describing it. Of course, there's also news articles as well out there in uh, in Wisconsin talking about it. So we've got one line open for you, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. Feel free to get online. We can talk about you know any kind of Black Friday technology you're looking at. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about home automation and uh, some of the ideas that I'm thinking about doing for my own home automation um, and see what you guys think about that as well. We'll be right back. We are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. All the lines are jammed up. Uh, early for you guys. You guys must be all rested from the whole turkey thing. I don't know. Uh, I'm glad you're all here. Feel free to get online after a line clears. Let's get right to your calls. You're nice enough to join us on this Saturday morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. Let's go to Gary in Bloomfield. Hey, Gary. Hey, hi, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you, sir? Okay. Uh, got a problem when I try to bring the machine up on Thursday. I shut it down. What are you doing on Thursday? Thursday evening. I oh, okay. went into, you know, nothing else going on. Everything was quiet, so I said, oh. Yeah, it doesn't work. I get the PC up, and I shut it down on Monday. Yeah. And when I try to open up Word and Excel, uh-huh. um, neither one of them would open. Okay. And I was wondering, I ran malware bytes, I think, three or four times over the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And it said I had no issues. All right. So I was wondering uh, what it is now. I've opened up some of the smaller files in Notepad. Okay. And I can read, you know, it's not completely clear, but I can read some of the information in there. So I'm assuming that it's not encrypted or otherwise I wouldn't be able to even get it open in Notepad. All right. So you're bringing up Word and Excel. Those programs are coming up, but you can't bring up the actual files. No, I, I cannot get either either of the apps to open. So the app itself won't come up. You can't do you can't double click on Word and actually have it come up as a blank page and start a fresh file? No. Okay, what that's What happens is the uh, whether I double click or I just single click and or right click and then click open, I get the rotating uh, blue circle. Yeah. It'll spin on for 15, 20, 30 seconds and then it just disappears and nothing happens. All right. Now, what version are we talking about here? Do you know what version of Word or Excel you're using? Uh, well, it's probably four years old because it's when I got the machine. It's Windows 8.1. Uh, I've got the control panel open. Is there a way I can check? Uh, you can go to you can go to the uh, programs and apps, right? The uh, right there in control panel. Just check out the apps to see what version you're running. Programs and features. Yeah. Locate your off. You know, it should say Microsoft Office. Uh, Microsoft Office Home and Student 2013. Okay, that's that's not too too old. So you can click on it there and do a change and do a repair. Right. Okay, so just click on uh, on the Microsoft Office. Yeah, go click. Yeah, locate Office and then select Change from the top menu. And you should be able to choose repair. I just saw Microsoft. Oh, there it is. Okay. I just click once. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uninstall or change a program. Click change. 
and see if there's a repair option for you. I'm clicking on uninstall or change a program. Nothing's happening. Hmm, that's not good. Let me just change this again. So, okay, wait a minute. I, I was looking at there's two separate changes listed on top. Uh, okay. The second one down is organize, uninstall, and change. Yeah, click that one. And uh, can you get a repair option after that? No, I got a box that comes up. Please wait until the current program is finished, uninstalling or being changed. <laughs> no repair option, huh? No, just that one box that came up. And uh, it sounds like you need to do a reboot first. And then uh, that'll close any uh, apps that are trying to make a change. Yeah. Have you, the, have you rebooted yet, Gary, since this? Yeah, about four times. And I oh, boy. Re rebooted uh, about 8.40 this morning. How about the other change you, you selected? You, you, had, you said there's two change options on that menu? Well, I think one of them is... Uh, We're trying to run the repair, and that should be after you click change right where you are. You're like... You're so close. Yeah, I click change again, and it comes up with the same thing. Current program is finished. On. All right. Do you have the disks? I. To reinstall them? I don't honestly know if I do. Um, I remember at some time when I bought the machine that I mm -hmm. had to go to the Microsoft store. Uh, I don't remember if it was I got the disk when I bought the machine, and then I had to. All right. Disk in and then go to the store. How about running, booting up and trying to start it in safe mode? Okay. So you're going to, when you're when the machine boots up, you're going to hold the control key um, while you, so get up, go ahead and open Excel in safe mode after you boot in safe mode. And then you're going to um, hold the control key while you start the program and see if that'll force it to to load but if it doesn't reinstall is going to have to happen something with that installer or the program itself is not working right or is damaged you can also do a system file checker which might correct any kind of corruption you have okay um, I just started to re uh, turn the machine back on yeah go into safe mode and, and then what do I have to do as soon as it comes up so go ahead and then go to your go to Excel no we'll let it come up all the way, and then when you try to click on Excel, hold the Control key down while you're while you're clicking um, on the Excel to see if it'll run, and that'll actually start Excel. Hopefully, we also have a, a link to try to repair um, the office itself. We'll put up there for you. It'll be it'll be a repair for 2010, 2013, and 2016. You can try those. That we'll put up there for you, right? Okay. Gary? So, when when the machine comes up, go over to go over to Excel and see if you can run it within run it within safe mode by holding the control key down. I've never done this myself, but that's what we've been finding as as a way to solve it. Okay, so I've got the. Uh, uh, I'm going to click on Excel and hold the control key down. Yep. Is it, is it firing up? Yeah, the machine is doing something. They could hear it. 
running in the in the background, but I'm not seeing anything. All right. So we're going to put a link up for the repairs you can try. Okay, so once I now that I rebooted, if I go back into the control panel and try to change again. Yeah, maybe the repair will be there. And then I could do the... Uh, uh, you click change and then click repair. And then repair. But I definitely don't want to touch the recovery one, right? No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> not yet. You haven't gone... It's not that bad yet. And go find your discs. If this doesn't work, you're reloading. Okay, so then I would just get the disc, put them in, and then reinstall them. Yes, sir. And um, <clears throat> now I know that the uh, Windows um, Microsoft support for this isn't. Now, is that also if I have to go back to the store? Because I remember doing that when I bought the machine. Would I still be able to do that, or is that. No, they're going to say 13. Are you crazy? Yeah. Okay. They'll tell you to buy the new one. What version of operating system is it? Windows 8, you said? 8.1. Yeah. So worst case, you're buying um, Office 2019. You can buy that still. Just pay for it once. Um, that's an option, too. You don't have to rent it with 365. So Windows 8.1 is no longer supported. That's another thing. It's not? No. That, hmm. that ran out before Windows 7. Really? Yeah. I can give you a date in a minute. I believe you. So try those things, Gary. We're gonna let you go. Okay. But we got a link up there for you. We got it on a repair, and hopefully these these options work for you. But otherwise, you're reinstalling, bud. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're yeah. welcome. Good luck. Okay. Thanks. Right. Bye. bye bye. So we're gonna be here till eleven o'clock today. One line open for you. Eight hundred nine six six WTIC five two two WTIC. When did it go out of support? Uh, as of January 9th, twenty eighteen. Oh boy, that was recent, wasn't it? <laughs> Almost two years. <laughs> Feel free to get online. We'll help you right out. We'll be right back. And we're back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And we're here until 11. Feel free to get in line. The lines are all jammed up. You guys are really, that vacation holiday there, man. You, a little turkey, and all of a sudden you're on the phone. So uh, we appreciate you being here for us. And uh, anything you missed or, or, or anything you, if you missed anything on uh, past shows, you can go over to uh, WTIC.com and check out the podcast for uh, all the programs here at WTIC. Let's go to Frank in Manchester up first. What's going on, Frank? Good morning. Thank you for for taking my call. I hope sure. you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, it was it was awesome. Hope you did too. All right. Thank you. Uh, the problem is uh, our, our printer. Uh-oh. Right. Yeah. Uh, you you go to print and it'll say loading, and then that little blue thing starts flipping around, and then the whole screen kind of like fades. So it locks up. Does the machine lock up or? Uh, well, the the, the printer doesn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, it must be getting electricity and stuff because uh, we uh, <laughs> yeah. can make copies on it, but we just just won't print. So when you say the screen fades, is it the computer screen or the printer yeah, screen? Yeah, computer str- uh, screen. All right, how do you get out of that? Do you just hit escape, or can you shrink the window, or how do you continue? Well, we just shut it down. The whole computer down? Yeah. So it locks up? Uh, yeah, it just doesn't work. Well, what it's doing is it's searching for the printer, which... Uh, uh, I think got a different IP address, and that's why you can't find it. You think it would lock the machine up, though? No, his his computer is just timing out. Yeah, you. What kind of a process? Yeah, like an i three. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, I'm from the era of uh, taxi stands and telephone booths. Okay. So uh, 
it's like, uh, you know, a foreign language, some of the things that you say. All right. So we're going to make it easy for you. You need to go and uninstall that printer and reinstall it. Have you ever done that before, Frank? Uh, no, but we can. I can learn, I suppose. All right. There may be an easier way. What kind of a printer is it? Honey, what kind of printer? <laughs> <laughs> I like, hold, hold on. Once. HP, Canon. Yeah. What kind of printer is it, honey? HP? Yeah. Yes, HP. Okay. You, if you go down under H on your menu, uh, you're, you're using Windows 10? Uh, 7. 7. Okay, then you want to go into the control panel, go into devices and printers. Actually, uh, it should be on the menu under 7, okay. devices and printers. And uh, actually, you want to go in under the under programs because there's a, a utility in there. If it was fully installed, there'll be a utility that'll rediscover it on the network. An HP utility? Yes. So Bob's trying to find the actual HP utility application that was installed, hopefully, when you originally installed a printer. And we're going to tell it to go look and try to find the printer again, is what Bob's getting at here. Okay. So that's number one, is to find that program utility. It's an HP utility. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and then you're going to run it and have it try to rediscover the printer, and hopefully it'll reestablish the IP address. And what Bob's theory is, is that your your, your computer is so, so low-end power-wise that it literally, as it's looking, kind of just freezes which seems kind of serious. I've seen a lot of computers uh, that if they had a printer installed that mm. was uh, on the network, it got turned off, and it, looking for it and can't find it, yeah. they'll keep looking. Just take a lot and of resources. And it kind of takes the resources away from other things. From a low, from a lower-end computer. Yeah, well, yeah, there's that. So uh, do you see that application, Frank? No, I'm, in, uh, I'm actually in another room. Oh, okay, so you're taking notes. Yeah, my wife is. All right. So you want to find the HP app, and then once he finds it, Bob, then there'll be a um, a setup, or there's going to be some sort of a utility that's going to help you find it within the within the app itself. Within the app, if it and doesn't, I would it, just uninstall it and reinstall it. If you can't find it, then that's that's your next step. You'd go to programs and features, uh-huh. or apps, and uh, uh, uninstall it from there, and then reinstall it. Give it a shot. Yeah. Good luck, Frank. Thank um, you very much. Yeah, that's, it shouldn't be so uh, so damaging to print something to your computer, but let's see what happens. Okay, thank you. You got it, sir. Bye. I don't know why it would do that, though. Well, when it gets out looking out on the network and it can't find it, it they get stubborn. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I've seen it. <laughs> you do, I believe you. Let's go to Tom in my hometown of Southington. What's going on, Tom? Yeah, I got. I tried putting DNS. I got two computers, a desktop and a laptop. Yeah, you tried uh, configuring OpenDNS? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So anyways, I had someone fix it for me, so it's on both computers and it's under one account, and it seemed like it was working, you know, when he fixed it up. Nice. And then after that, you know, when I after shutting it down and a day or two later, I open it up. Now it says using OpenDNS, it says yes, but then on the bottom it says that there's a mismatch between... Uh, the DNS IP and the right. IP. You need something called the IP updater. So you didn't pay anybody for this, right? I got the IP updater. I already clicked on that. You did? Yeah. Well, it should tell you the it should update your IP, and now you should be good. It should tell me what? I'm sorry. When you when you check when the IP updater is running, it yeah. should go and detect your new IP address and clear that mismatch. How do I do that? It should do it automatically for you if it was configured properly. 
Okay, I guess it's not configured. <laughs> Did you pay for it to be configured, or is he just a friend? Version. Hmm? I, on the open DNS. Yeah, yeah, I was just wondering if you paid somebody to help you with this, or if uh, you had a friend come and help you with this. When I know is my kid. And, uh, you know. All right, so the IP updater, I think, is misconfigured in your account in that it's not updating automatically like it should be. Okay. Um, we can find some OpenDNS instructions as to how to correctly configure the IP updater. You may want to get that kid back over there. Configure <laughs> the IP updater. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, that's the key here is that it's saying, hey, I noticed something is wrong. Well, it's correct. It did. Your IP changed. Yeah. Um, but the IP updater should take care of it. And we actually have a nice link for you on that. I got a thing here that talks about where is a where is an HT you know where is there, where is an IP mismatch, but it talks about proxies and all of that. And I don't know what the heck a proxy is or any of that stuff. You know, a, a proxy would be um, um, the other software we recommended, Blue Cow. What was uh, what's it called again? That we used to do, not too good, Blue. Um, what was the other Some dog. filter? Yeah, yeah, the dog. Yeah, I can't remember what it was anymore. Um, but a proxy is running your internet through a safer um, third party, which is called proxying. You're not doing that in this case. You're just choosing a different DNS um, setting. Um, but you shouldn't be getting a proxy error. Uh, this is just running through what? Either Cox or uh, DSL? Yeah, I got Frontier. It's, I'm not getting a proxy error, but it, says, it just says there's a mismatch. But then when you click on Learn More, this page comes up, and you know I'm not sure what the hell it says there. <laughs> it's probably giving you some insights. The, the, the software I was thinking of is K9. Um, yeah. That is more of a proxy approach to filtering versus what OpenDNS is doing. Yeah. Um, we're going to put the link up here. I would tell you to read through the instructions of the IP updater yourself and follow them. Make sure you have your account information for OpenDNS. I assume you set up your email address and you have your own a pa a password setting and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I got all of that. All right. Just assume your kid didn't set it up right in the first place and run through it cleanly. Most likely, that's all you got to do is just set it up properly. He, probably, he or she probably made an error um, when they configured the IP updater. I'm guessing because it's, that's, the only, that's, the, that's the normal error when your IP is incorrect and the IP updater is supposed to handle it for you. Okay. Now, when you say configure the updater, I thought you just pressed on the the link there, and then you, I get that little block, you know, with the with the icon. I click on to see where it says yes, it's working. Yep. That's the updater, right? That's the updater, yes. Um, but clearly, there's something misconfigured um, when when it was initially set up. It okay. shouldn't be that difficult. Um, it should be straightforward. It, you, basically, you're going to tell it where you are, home or office, and uh, there's a button there that says Update Now. Generally, you're going to bring it up. It says Open DNS Updater, and uh, you should be able to click Update Now, and that'll take care of it. Oh, we lost Tom, I think. Yeah. Um, hopefully, that'll work for him. All right, but it's important to have the IP updater running because uh, your internet provider doesn't uh, keep your same IP address unless you pay for that. Call the static IP. We'll step out for a quick break. we got two lines open for you guys, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. Everything we've talked about is posted live over at computertalkwithtab.com. Mike G is doing it faster than I can put the links in. He's almost putting the links in before I even thought of them. We'll be right back.
And we are back. This is Computer Chocolate Tab. Two lines open for you. Feel free to get online. 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. We're also, I want to talk, I want to talk a little bit about home automation. Um, you think about all these smart light bulbs and all these smart things you're controlling with your Alexa or with your whatever. And uh, the more I've done some research on it, the more I think that really everything has to be done at the switch level. Because what good is a smart light bulb if the switch is off? <laughs> and uh, the bulbs are so expensive, it's kind of counterproductive to put this wicked expensive bulb in there that doesn't do anything if some kid turned, <laughs> turned the switch off. So I'm looking at these C by GE. They have smart switches out there. Lutron's got a system as well. And it's kind of DIY, you know, so guys like me can put them in. If I can do it, you can do it. And uh doesn't require any kind of special hubs or any special bulbs. And uh, you control it with your voice if you want to. So um, I don't know. I just think everything seems to be, you know, we're still switch-based, right? So if the switch is off, the stuff you're trying to control isn't smart. So if you start it with the switch, now even the dumb stuff is smart, right? You can turn on your, you know, anything, any dumb light bulb, cheap light bulb, with using that switch. What do you think, Bob? Well, it depends on the technology they use because not, not all of them are using uh, IP-based uh, technology. Some, not, some of them are using Bluetooth or um, yeah, proprietary wireless. Systems. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, this uses wireless. So we'll see what happens to that. But let me know if you've tried that with your smart home technology. Let's go to uh, Steve in Bristol next. What's going on, Steve? Hi, I'm sorry. I, I stepped away from my phone. No, you're fine. What's up? Okay. So... When I was back in grad school in the late 1990s, um, I had also done my family tree in one of those, I don't know if you say GEDCOM or JETCOM files. All right. And I never threw the stupid computer away. Um, right. And now I, I I did Ancestry, and now it wants me to upload my my family tree. And I said, why should I retype the whole stupid thing when I have it in this old computer? <laughs> yeah. So I, I kept the keyboard and the mouse because I realized that they were they were different. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't keep the monitor, so I hooked it up to my monitor, and it looked good. I turned it on, and I saw the Windows 95 logo. 95? And, and then it did all these checks, and yeah. then all of a sudden, a uh, thing popped up said, cannot interpret input. You've got to lower the resolution on the, uh, on, the monitor. on the monitor. Yeah, it's too good. Yeah. However, I would tell you you're going about it the wrong way anyways. I am. Yeah. Don't try. Okay. Don't try to crank up that Model T. <laughs> what you want to do is take the hard drive out of that Windows ninety five computer. Now it's probably running the old style IDE pin style hard drive interface. So you need to go to like to cables and connectors in the Berlin Turnpike, or anywhere else you buy your cables and connectors, okay. and you're gonna need an IDE to USB. Adapter. adapter that'll power the hard drive and give it a connection so that you can then plug it in as a USB drive to your current computer. And then you're oh, gonna then you just go would, ahead and navigate. That would be much easier because yeah. all I have is that three and a half inch drive in there if I was gonna copy files out yeah, of it. Forget it. So yeah, try don't try to get the old one working makes no sense. Just take the hard drive out. Now you can go and, and responsibly recycle that carcass of a computer. Okay. Right? You don't need that anymore. And just take the hard drive out, connect it to your old computer, and um, navigate to where you saved that file. 
your and then upload it to, if they'll accept it. Now you still may have a problem in that the the format may not be what they want, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, maybe sixteen bit also. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I have no idea what you're going to find, but if anything, if you have a chance at anything, that's the way I would do it. Okay, so where was this place again? I'm sorry. Cables and connectors in the Berlin Turnpike. They're an institution. They have every connector on the planet. I would call them before you drive over there to make sure they've got an IDE. I suspect your your hard drive is plugged into a very thick gray cable with IDE pins on it. I'm not sure how many pins anymore that we, they used to use. Eight, how many pins do you think was that? 18? 15. 15. Um, and make sure it goes from IDE to USB. I highly doubt it's a SATA connect, connection being in that old. Like, check it, though. It could be. So, uh, the IDE was 40-pin connected. 40-pin. All right. I thought it was a lot. Worst case, bring your hard drive with you. Yeah, that's what I might do. Yeah. All right, Stephen. Good luck. So your family you so tree. Much. Yeah. Good luck with your family tree, man. Thank you. All right. Bye. Okay. All right. Let's move on to John in Bristol. Hey, John. Hi, guys. Let me turn my radio down here. Sure. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um. I recently found out that an old, I don't know if it's a Gmail email or a um, email I made for an old website that I use for my old photography business, has decided not to work anymore. Probably because I don't own the I don't own the domain anymore. Oh. Um, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now the problem I'm having is that that's the email that I've used with my Gmail account as your recovery. Well, I, it's my main one. And when I go into my dashboard, mm -hmm. it says that this admin email cannot be changed. So I can add an alternative one for me to get, you know, if I get locked out or something like that, Good. they can contact me. But uh, there's, it doesn't look like there's any way of me being able to change the main email. Now, you know, it's Google in their wondrous ways of helping us. The only way I can get support is if I pay $6 a month for their G Suite because my free <laughs> legacy one doesn't include any kind of support. As if they don't make enough money, you know? Well, they're not doing it out of the kindness of their heart, John. <laughs> no, they're not. I realize that. Um, so you can't be so too bitter. <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I can, but it doesn't do any good. <laughs> no. the, main reason I'm, the main reason I'm concerned is I have a, a new business that I'm using my this account for for my you know google my business and stuff like that and you know since it's come to my attention that i'm no longer able to get emails using this old email address how long is it going to take before the verification and stuff like that that yeah. i used for google for this goes kaflui and then all of a sudden i can't get access to my active business and well, you know to avoid that how do i change all that crap besides mm. pay six dollars a month so i can get phone support <laughs> well, it's only six bucks for the first phone call, yeah, so there's there's that. Um, I mean, so are you setting up like well, a flea you market? Free, and you guys have a lot of information for me. So sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, those guys are in control, so you yeah, should be you should be able to set up another account. The problem is, it does assume you have the other admin account to fall back on to confirm with. I suspect. Um, I would set the secondary account up. Have you done that yet? Uh, you know, I haven't, and I'm. I get I get so leery as to trying to decipher what they want me to do to set it up, and I don't want to unlink things. I mean, even when, you know, when they acquired YouTube, yeah, you know, and they wanted you to merge your account for, for whatever reason, I was getting a mental block, and and I just 
I couldn't do it. And they ended up merging them together for me, I guess. Or, right. You know, through Whether you liked it or not. Yeah. Which is fine because it seems to work just fine. But, right. You know, that's the issue I have is that everything seems to be tied to this old email that's no longer valid. Right. And sooner or later, it's all going to go kaflooey. And then the active business I have is going to, you know, I'm not going to have access to this stuff or at least that's my fear. Well, so your Gmail account, do you use it on a regular basis? No. Ah, so I don't know that I'd. So I would. You want to configure your business information on Google is what you're saying, but you can use any account you want, right? You just have to claim your business. So if your business Which is I have. okay, if you've but you got to claim it under not not your Gmail account. You can claim it under any account. Did you choose another account? I I swear I did, but it's it's like every time I got a, I I go to log into that, it's tied to my. Your Gmail, my my Gmail, yeah, to my Google account. So set up a so number one, set up a reco- another recovery email, which is the one you think you're supposed to use. You can re- also reclaim. You should be able to reclaim the account under a different mailbox. I mean, I don't even use Gmail. I mean, I'm an Android guy, but it, I don't even look at the email box um, for anything. So yeah, I, I don't either. You know, I mean, I'm a Mac guy, and my my main one is a, a dot me account. Right. So I would tell you to work work on changing your accounts to have that email box as your recovery, um, starting with trying to set, you know, claiming your business under the Mac email setting. So do I need to start a new <clears throat> no, your bus- account? <clears throat> no, your business is your business, right? You're doing that just to make sure that you're, you're viewable when they surf you, right? When they search you? Right. right. Yeah, you should be able to claim that under your regular Mac. They're going to do a few things to prove you are who you say you are. Yeah. Um, but... I would tell you that. And then, of course, do set up that Mac as your backup to your Gmail. Right? Okay. As your recovery. You need that going. Which I, which I think it is. You need to you be, know, you need to be my, sure. My, well, when I go into my personal info on here, you know, the profile. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. It's there? Yeah, the two emails are there. Okay. So then I wouldn't sweat too much. The other one doesn't matter. You've got the other one backed up. Claim your other one as a as a Mac. Claim your business as a Mac email address. I got to go over a hard break here, John. But I think yep. you're in better shape than you think you are. <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way. And it didn't cost you six bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go. Thank you. You're welcome. This is Computer Talk. We'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network. From big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.